Scorsinatology. Thanks for joining us on the other side of Scorsese Summer. This is Scenatology. I'm Frank, along with Vinny Hyleff and Vin. Before we get into this week's episode, the sinners need to know how you're doing post-op. Well, funny you say uh, post-op since this week's movie is with a doctor. <laughs> and like the first shot of the movie is like an operation. You know, that was, so, that's I mean, a real operation. Yeah, I, it had to be. It was horrifying. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and I kept thinking about, uh, my surgery and it, mine was not as bad as that. It was a hernia, but I did, I did watch a video on my, on my surgery, like not mine, but like what it looks like when they do it. And it, it just like hurt to just think about it. But after a week I'm, uh, I'm, I'm rested. I feel a lot better, uh, a lot of energy and my mind's were always working well. So I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm doing well, seen some movies. So doing all right. Fantastic. This week, we're discussing Greek director Yorgos Lanthimos, specifically his 2017 film, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, a somewhat overlooked movie that came out between his English-language breakout, The Lobster, which we both love and talk yeah. about a lot in this show, and his Oscar-nominated The Favorite. Like The Lobster, Sacred Deer stars Colin Farrell, this time cast as a surgeon, living a seemingly content suburban family life with wife Nicole Kidman and their two kids. Aww. Seemingly, there's a lot going on here. So let's start, just start um, the episode here with overall impressions of the film. Babe. Sure. Um, uh, overall impression, like the tone of this guy is just, uh, I mean, yeah, I use the word Kubrickian a lot or just like minimalistic or um, you know, like P.T. Anderson. Like there's always like a tone and it's a certain feeling Um the other one, uh, God, I forget the French guy's name, uh, Denis uh, Villeneuve. Yeah, Th- these guys, these, these type of tone, minimalism, sound is so important, uh, symbolism. But again, the idea that what if what I think is happening in this movie is happening, then you could have written a whole different script about the exact same thing and added so much more dialogue and plot, and you would have been like, eh, this is all right. This is what is this? I don't understand. You take all those things out and just focus on the acting, the director making choices that uh, are important, um, and it becomes what I think is brilliant. So, you know, I'm, it's not going to be hard for me to say that this is a plus for me r- r- right off the bat. Um, is it better than his? I think Lobster is is a is a is a better kind of like entry film for people for him because it's more fun i think i think it's dark and sinister but it's fun uh even the favorite is fun this one doesn't have a lot of laughs in it um very dark very more similar to dog tooth certainly and just that idea that um the most and, and kubrick said this about the shining and it's true here that the most sinister dangerous thing is is not outside it's inside it's in the home it's the family um that true to life so uh very uh Th- th- those are my initial thoughts without giving anything away. Wow. Mine are very similar. Um, it's, <laughs> funny mention, it's funny you mentioned Villeneuve because I'm sure you got the same, um, you recall the, the prisoner, no, prisoners with uh, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. There was a couple of similarities there, you know, especially the, you know, the basement, keeping someone in the basement part thing. Um, but yeah, absolutely yeah. agree with you with everything you said. Uh, I was taken by the, the very specific vision and aesthetics of this film. This film, yeah. as you said, go on, go on. Well, I was going to say, because you said Villeneuve, the, the thing I thought of when I thought of Villeneuve and this guy now was uh, The Enemy with um, Jake Gyllenhaal. 
uh, mm-hmm. again, very minimalistic and just this, the sound and the tempo and the, the language, just the, the way he writes the dialogue mm-hmm. and has the actors say it. I mean, I wanted, since you, you're, you were an English major, you, you deal with uh, novels and books and uh, all kinds of culture that way. Like, what did you think about the, uh, the, um, not necessarily the plot, but just, but, but the, the words, the dialogue. Oh, and because um, I was just fascinated yeah. by that. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think you hit it. I think you hit it on the head with uh, the Kubrickian thing. This felt as Kubrickian as anything I've seen since Eyes Wide Shut. It's, um, yeah. I love, I love, I loved his uh, Lanthimos's just manipulation of the camera and how he, he turned it into another character. You know, he moves, yeah. he follows actors a lot of times from behind, just in their movement. But then he, he, he makes a very confident, and you know, it takes a really confident direction, someone with a vision, to just leave the camera. And he rests the camera in these weird, unusual angles. You know, either really high, really low. It's always a little off center, so it feels it's almost voyeuristic. You know, yeah. it feels like we're spying on the action, just uh, overhearing what the, what the characters are saying. Yeah, and what, what they're saying, what you meant, what you asked me about, I I love the, the dialogue. It's it's so intentionally dry. It's almost robotic, which yeah. adds to this this off-putting coldness about it. Again, very Kubrickian. It's like we're in this we're we're in the real world. There's nothing fantastic necessarily about the world. Even with a lobster, it looks like the real world until you realize it's not. And I think right. that the dialogue definitely adds to that, like almost like off-centered world that we're in. And at first, it's a little hard to feel comfortable with the weirdness. I, my first instinct for this movie was because I had no idea what it was about at all. I was like, "This is so right. weird." Like the family's dinner conversation at the beginning, where they're talking about their hair. It's like, what, what, what is happening? But I, I loved it. <laughs> and then when you realize that's the point of the movie, everything just clicks into place. And at the same time, like one of the first things I wrote down, especially in the beginning, when the doctors are talking after surgery. And then Colin Farrell is talking to this boy. What was his name Marvin? No, Martin. 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 Uh, it almost seems like they decided let's let's see like, if two people were talking, but they weren't together, and they were just texting to each other. What, what would they say? And it feels like they just did that as an experiment. Like the whole movie is like none of these people are really together; they're just texting to each other, and they wrote dialogue that way. Like yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. That's this. This is a horror movie. Now, yeah. again, obviously, you know we're going to talk about the whole movie and spoil things. So, but you, if you haven't watched this, please go ahead and watch it. It's streaming on Netflix right now. Stop this and, and watch it because I think you need to go into this without knowing anything about it. But yeah, it's um, it's a thing that Kubrick did so well. It's that isolation that is like the true horror. Obviously, the best example is The Shining, right? Yes, but all. But yeah, it's this isolation that in this movie, this guy gets, even though everyone is together. It's like nobody's alone necessarily in this movie. The family's all together, but each individual member of the family feels like they're alone in the world. You're, you're right. And what, one of the things I thought of, and you made me just think about this, like as far as write, and I'm not a writer, I don't, I don't know, but um, uh, Charlie Kaufman uh, said that as an experiment, again, this is, gosh, Synecdoche is, again, I hate, I remember I used to bring it up all the time, but when he wrote Synecdoche, that was like 2005. Again, that's 15, 16 years ago. And he said as an experiment, one thing he did was 
he put a, a tape recorder on the dinner table with him and his wife and they were at a restaurant and he just recorded what they would say. And then he left it for a while, came back and said, do you remember that conversation? What did we talk about? And her version of it versus what they actually said were two very different things. And he used that to kind of write Synecdoche as a script. And I was thinking, you know, with this film, almost like as people are, and you're talking about that dinner table, like as, as if we're watching a movie, they're, they they don't write these things as if it's really happening, like, like real conversation. And I was thinking today at the lunch table with my family, I was thinking, like listening to what they were, and I didn't say anything. I was thinking about what they were saying. And it was similar to this movie. It was creepy, Frank. It was like, oh, well, you have hair like your dad. You know, that kind of thing. Like, like maybe it's truer to life, but so realistic that we find it creepy because we're used to watching movies where people are trying to be bigger than life. You know? I mean, I, I don't know. No, I, I think there's a lot to what you're saying there because, yeah, I, I think if you listen to a real conversation, it it would never play. You would never accept it in a movie. Firstly, it'd be too boring and it'd be too weird and just nonlinear. So yeah, I think you might be onto something here with how he's able to actually capture the real, like the real reality of, of who we are and how we communicate to each other. Yes. hundred percent. And it's, it's, it was everything it, so it, awkward. Like when, when they're at the, the, the party, the banquet and they're just making small talk and, Colin Farrell just all of a sudden just says, you know, our, our daughter started menstruating to, you know, recently. Yes. Just yes, yes. With, with, just dry and just regular conversation. And you, and you were never sure if the person on the receiving end, if they thought it was weird because they didn't, they didn't, um, you know, they didn't react anyway. Really. Yes. It's like, are they thinking this is weird? Cause it's really weird to say that. So everyone like, in this movie is like that. I said that same thing. And, and the conversation about body hair, like I don't have any body hair. Does your dad have body hair? And then Colin Farrell, I mean, surprisingly to me, uh, that beard of his is, I want that beard. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, and I expected him to be more hairy when he lifted his oh, shirt. I was so disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know what He's I'm like. I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm way hairier than he is. And I'm like, oh, I was disappointed. But them having those conversations about, and I was like, maybe it's okay because they're doctors and that's how doctors talk. Like, I don't know. I don't know how doctors talk. I know how teachers and librarians talk. That's about it. Colin Farrell looked a lot like Mel Gibson in this movie, like later day Mel Gibson with the beard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was great. At it. Speaking of Kubrickian, um, I got such a eyes wide shut vibe. Maybe it was just Nicole Kidman, but her character seemed very similar to that character. As soon as you see her and he's a doctor, I'm like, eyes wide shut. I mean, you have to. Um, I, at least I do. But uh, in this movie, she's got more... Um, and eyes wide shut, she's like a, like a bit player. Like She doesn't really like move the, the plot. It's all Tom Cruise. Here, it's it's more her. She's got more of that responsibility to carry the plot, especially like she goes on like in the ha- second half, she goes on like her own little like, well, if he's not going to figure this crap out, I'm going to figure it out. You know, like what's going on? She's had such an interesting career. When you, if you look yes. at all of her movies, I, I think most people, and me included, still just think of her as you know a movie star, and she's just in big big time movies. But she's done a lot of small movies like this, and she's she's a very daring actress, and and I think a lot, of, and most of the time that pays off. But she puts in, she's had some really great performances. That's fake. You know, she's old. I don't know how old she is. I think she's got to be in her fifties, um, and you, you could tell. You know. 
she's older. Uh, she's got a great body and, uh, she's, um, she might've had, I mean, who cares? I mean, she's a great actor. I want to see her in more things. Um, that's me, you know, I'm not the general public, so who knows? Um, but I mean, like that one scene, gosh, when she goes over to him and she takes her clothes off and lays down like the dead body, I had started texting you when I got to that. And I was like, wow, what she's, is is she just being super submissive? Is this, and, but he's into like dead body stuff, right? Because he's a doctor. Is that, is that the vibe we got? Well, bodies under anesthesia, which makes it even creepier because, you know, he's putting them under and, and that's I get. I think a lot of people have that fear when they go under. They don't know what's happening to them, right? And he's totally in control, and she's just laying there. So there's definitely. And you had texted me back. Everyone's got their own kink. So <laughs> right, and you know that's and it's it's done so matter of factly. So it's it's you know it's a part of their relationship, and it's something that's been discussed in the past. It's just part of who they are, and it, it really goes into showing without you know saying a lot what kind of people we're talking about. Not that I'm, you know, casting dispersions on them for, you know, being into that, but, you know, they're doctors or he, and he's a surgeon and we don't know anything about him at this point, really. And this, this is a great way of introducing, you know, his inner life. Just that idea of like, like, is he really happy being married? Um, is he, you know, cause you start thinking, okay, he's got secrets. He's got this kid. And my first thought was, Oh, this is his kid. Martin is yeah. his child. Right. He had her at a wedlock. Um, he's attracted to the mom, something. Cause, cause the kid later says him and my mom flirt. Well, I don't know if that to be true. I never saw Colin Farrell flirt with the mom. I thought we were going to have flashbacks, maybe go back to the dad or so many different th- scenarios, but th- they keep it super open ended. Like you don't know what's going on. You're following the main thread. Is this a curse? Did the kid put this on? Is this something they manifested? Um, you know, it's a horror movie, so they don't let us in on anything. So you just got to take it for what it is. So I'm thinking, you know, it, was he uh, cheating on his wife before? What? Because you know, he says, "I'm happily married. I'm, I love my children. I love my family. I'm a family man." You know, those kind of things. And I gotta believe him because when uh, when Martin's mom and shout out to Alicia Silverstein, when I saw her, I was like, she looks so familiar. Who is she? That, I go, I'm getting clueless vibes, and it was her. Um, he he denies her. So he. Is he happily married is what I'm asking you. I think you have to take just the evidence that presented to you. And there's no reason to, like you said, there's really no reason to doubt him because we don't see anything. We don't, we're not shown any, any proof of him being unfaithful or even being unhappy, really. I mean, he's, he shows the same emotion throughout the whole movie. And so does his whole family. So you have to take him on his word based on who he is in this movie that, you know, he is happy in his relationship and before we go further, I'll explain, we'll just explain the plot a little. So he's a surgeon and I guess it was like six months or so in the past, he performed, as it turns out, um, while drunk, or at least having had a few drinks uh, on this kid Martin's father, and he died in surgery. So he felt guilty. So he's been serving as like a father figure to this kid. Right. And, and then all of a sudden... This kid who I was getting total gummo vibes from him. Oh he, yes. He is he is phenomenal in this in this movie. Absolutely. It's just just you think he's, you know, a little you know, he's he maybe has some sort of learning disorder, he's just social anxiety disorder. Right. You know, he's he's a very awkward kid. But then he all out of nowhere, it really feels like out of nowhere, he just spits out this 
this this what curse that um, he's taking revenge on uh, Colin Farrell and his family because he lost a family member. So he, so Colin, Colin Colin Farrell's kids are now going to get sick, and he lays out exactly how they're going to get sick. First, they're going to be paralyzed, then they're going to lose their appetite and start bleeding from the eyes. And Colin Farrell has to make a choice which one of his family members is going to die, to even the score. He's got to balance it and, out. It's got to be it's balanced out, right? One for one. Now, is this kid like a gypsy? Like, I hate to use the word gypsy, but like, it seemed like a gypsy curse. It seemed like something from the the book, um, The Dark Half from Stephen King. It seemed like uh, so many different other horror movies I've seen, but like, there's no background to like, like they weren't going to explain anything. And the way the kid said it, like the way he just changed like acting style right in the middle of it to say it so fast, it almost seemed like he was possessed. Like the kid, like, it wasn't him saying it. It was like a creature, like a lot of exorcist vibes a little bit uh, here too. Um, so I, I thought it was fascinating. And, and they gave the plot out right there. Like the, the, you said it, these are the things that are going to happen and it's going to happen to each one of your family members until you kill one. Right. Right. And I think it's absolutely the right choice. And it was such a great decision not to explain it. It's, you know, you're right. We already know we're in this, we're sort of sort of weird, like bizarro world. And, Everyone had just accepted, like Colin Farrell and his family and, and Nicole Kidman, they kind of just accept that this is happening. Right. They don't really try to find explanations for it. Um, we don't need explanations. That's not the point. That The curse is not the horror. And a lot of horror movies, I think, fall into the trap of over-explaining. Yes. And, fo- and focusing on the, the, the thing that's not the actual horror. The horror is the decision that he has to make. Which one of his kids to kill? Right. Horror, who cares? Who cares why? That that's irrelevant. That's that's yeah. secondary. It's not irrelevant. It's secondary. And and for me, there's always like every great horror movie. There's like a true analog to real life. Like mm-hmm. like with The Exorcist, it's it might be like you know care for your child and and overprotecting and you know there's always like something there like 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 my child is sick and I can't fix it. You know that's a horror. Um, and in this one, I and I and I. I <laughs> I don't know what it is because, you know, Colin Farrell is, is not like Tom Cruise and Eyes Wide Shut where he's not tempted by anyone. I think Tom Cruise in that movie is tempted to to uh, get away from his wife because he's because he hasn't focused on her. He's focused on work and 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 he he wants to get away from his wife, um, you know, and then comes back. You know, he was tempted, but 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 never went too far here. It's not that it's like he was Colin Farrell's problem. His 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 at his core was the drinking, maybe. It's still uh, probably a workaholic, uh, a distance for father, certainly uh, loving, caring on the outside. But was he really that on the inside? Because he is trying to keep like him with the phone in the bed. Frank was like, he's lying to this wife. Like he's doing other things. Like, was he flirting with that with, with that uh, mom? Maybe um, he, he was he was lying about things, you know. So I kept thinking like, like there's got to be something where he's uh, uh, there's got to be a real life analogy to do I want to get rid of my family or not? Like, and not kill them, not in real life, kill them, like, leave them. Because my initial reaction was, you know, who, and we should get, talk about this at the end, like, who do you kill? Was his way to, to figure out who to kill, was that the best one? Is there a better way? So, so much to talk about with this movie. And, and you're right, it's because it's minimalistic and they don't give you everything, which I love. Well, I, I love that take that you just gave us that, yeah, but I, cause, you know, before I said that, because we weren't shown anything, we have to assume... What, you know what we take it as at face value but what if we don't what if it is all just an analogy for you know an un, unhappy husband and father right and 
and we're only seeing it from maybe his point of view. Right. And and all all the all the decisions that he has to make, he is creating this this curse to to try to to try to you know make an excuse for him to make these decisions. Maybe not to kill his family, but to leave his family. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it's from. I was inspired by uh, the Greek a Greek myth about the sacred deer. Is um, I didn't write it down. Let me try to remember. Hold on. Um, Agamemnon. Agamemnon. Benon. You right, know who right. I'm talking I was about. Hoping, right? <laughs> I was hoping you'd look into it because I did not. <laughs> he uh, he killed um the goddess Artemis's sacred deer you know, out hunting. So as a sort of punishment, he had to choose. To sacrifice his daughter, and that it tied into the Greek, um, the Trojan War as well. Um, and of course, Lanthimos is Greek, and I'm sure it's part of you know it's part of his culture, and he wanted to you know tie it all together. It's not it's not a direct um, interpretation, which is great, but I was inspired by that. But back to um, back to horror movies, I I uh, was thinking that if I was going to like film school or something, I w- I'd write a paper about Kubrick as a horror director. Because right. then I looking at his work, so much of it is horror. I mean, Shining, obviously. Eyes Wide Shut, I think you can make a real case for being a horror movie for the sure. same reason this is. The, at least the first half of um, Full Metal, Metal Jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Horror. And it's all based in reality. You know, Clockwork Orange could be a horror movie. The entire sequence with Hal in 2001, that's a horror movie. Yeah, uh, even Barry Lyndon is is sinister, if anything. And I think Lanthimos, uh, Lanthimos is um, is the is the, the you know next generation here. He's, his movies have that sinister quality to them. Even and, like you said, even with the Lobster, it was very dark. And it's it's a little you get a little Lynchian here with the when Alicia Silverstone starts like talking about his hands and she's obsessed with his hands and she starts <laughs> sucking and biting his hands. Um, so it's very like, like, what, what does that mean? Like, why fascinating? You know, it reminded me of Racerhead with the family eating yeah. the chicken. It just was like, so, <laughs> and the most terrifying scene in this movie is the kid Martin eating spaghetti in front of the cold. Oh, room. that was gummo too. Cause he, the kid does, <laughs> does that in the bathtub. <laughs> well, you got to do gummo at some point. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so yes, let's get to the, so it it turns out that um, first their son he um, is stricken by this curse or whatever it is, and then his daughter, his daughter is also in love with Martin. So they're both, you know, um, they're at the end. There, no doctor can figure out what it is. So it, you know, they don't have a choice. So without even discussing it and without making it very clear what's happening, they Nicole and Colin they come to um, a decision that he's going to have to choose because it's his decision. Of which family member to kill. Uh, and Nicole Kidman's that, like, we can have more kids, so... <laughs> yes. Maybe so that was the most terrifying scene in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's so much where... Like, like we're, the, one of the things, too, is like he's deciding, but the, the, the realities of the children really come out only when... Like, they're all plain and normal and whatever. Everything's fine. But then when the curse happens, when they're given stress their true identities come out like, like the things they say and the things they're doing, the daughter, like cursing out the mom and being disobedient and being, you know, uh, really reckless with this, with this boy. And I'm trying to think if the little boy does that at all. Does the little boy do anything that's like, 
out of the norm from his character earlier because they seem to like shift for me a bit. Nicole Kidman, knowing that this is going to happen next to her, I mean, she makes choices like the, the, the anesthesiologist. She goes in the parking lot and goes, you know, and 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 does sexual favors for him in the, in the Jeep in order for information. So, you know, so she does things out of the norm because because this is going to happen. So it's just, I don't know if it's their true identities, but given stress, people will act in, in very almost selfish ways in order to survive. And that family breakdown, uh, like you said, then leads to them having to choose. So like Colin Farrell gets the kid, puts him in the basement, knocks him up, does, doesn't get anything out of him. And then, and then the, the Nicole Kidman lets him go basically. Right. And yeah. so oh, before, before you, before you continue, I want to ask you, I wanted to ask you about the one scene where Nicole Kidman kisses his feet. I, I thought that was to try and like almost it's a Jesus thing. Like he has total control yeah. over the family because he even has the ability to, to make the daughter not paralyzed. Like he did that in the hospital. Right. So this kid is all powerful kind of, you know, I wish he would have used the powers to keep his dad alive. What the hell? Anyway. <laughs> um, but, Oh, and then <laughs> the, st- I love the, the dad, telling the story i don't love it but the dad telling bob look you're going to tell me information that i think <laughs> you're lying um and this is what i did to my dad one day i mean remember i'm not going to say it it is yeah. it's horrifying but he's so, so truthful or he's lying who knows um regardless going back to where we are the i think it's a jesus thing do you do, did you think that about kissing the feet yeah something along those lines like he's some sort of yeah he's he's some like god like character yeah, the, the the end scene or one of the end scenes is now uh, everybody gets placed in a chair. They'll get hooded. Are they tied up or just sitting there? They're taped. Their arms taped. are taped. And Colin Farrell, and again, there's, I don't want to give it away, but there is um, moments in the movie where it foreshadows who actually gets killed. So look look out for things. I mean, in the title, it's deer. So look for deer stuff. Plus you got the rifle there. So, And Colin Farrell uh, puts the, ski mask on which you could kind of see through by the way and he doesn't want to make a choice he wants to run around randomly not like in a circle and just like shoot <laughs> like this is horrifying for this family the tension is so high and again i know that that's for plot reasons but in reality like this is not the best way to do this this is <laughs> makes the rest of the family worse i think in the end like they're not gonna be better for this This is gonna be worse there's no way this is good um and he shoots a couple like two or three times misses um and then and then finally does shoot in the chest uh the son right yes who's not gonna carry on the family name who's gonna be a doctor like him the daughter was uh, more into history he even goes to the school and is like so which one's better like which one should i not kill Because he, he does buy that Nicole Kidman's like, look, we're going to have more kids. First of all, she's not having more kids. There's no way. <laughs> I know they play it off. The two of them are old enough where they're not going to have any kids. But um, what did you think about that scene? It, it was very weird. The whole, yeah, the whole way they ch- he chose to do it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not the best way because he missed twice because he's just shooting blindly. But was the son the right choice? Uh, the son was in the uh, the latter stages of the whatever the curse was. He was bleeding from the eyes already. So maybe that was a smart choice to do. Um, but it, it, maybe, you know, it goes to show that this guy, the surgeon, who everybody thinks has his life together, not only does he have a drinking problem or had one, but here it is the most important decision of his life and he can't even make it. He's like, he's too much of a coward to make it. Just like he was too much of a coward to admit that he did something wrong in surgery, probably because he didn't want to get sued. 
Right. So did he learn anything at the end of this? I don't know. Because <laughs> the very end scene is but, so strange because they, they, they all, the mom, the, Colin and Nicole and the daughter, they go out to a diner and they, and the, and the boy Martin, he shows up, I guess just to, just to show that there's only three of them now. No words were spoken. And I guess maybe that just signifies that it's over, but it doesn't give us any real indication of where they are mentally. The um, a little bit for me, and I, I do want to back up a bit. That idea that I think I texted you—I might have put it on Cinematology. I said, uh, "No, the choice is just to kill them all. Like clean slate, yeah. bro. Like, <laughs> by the way, how does he get away with murdering a kid and then just it's okay? I don't understand how that. <laughs> like, no one's gonna fa- like this kid was through all this testing and then disappears. Right. Like, how is that ever gonna be covered up ever? <laughs> I thought he was gonna shoot himself. He, he, I don't think he could have. I think he had it had to be one of the other three. Wasn't part of the rules, yeah. But that could have been a way out. Without, I don't want to make a decision, so I'm going to escape. And I thought that was going to be it. I mean, the the true way out is look. He he's really broken with all these people. So and he loves the kids. And we're not supposed to think he doesn't love the kids. Maybe I'm just adding my own, you know, angst of having teenagers that it's like just get rid of them. Like you don't need these kids. Not that I would really shoot anybody, but I'm just saying as an analogy in the movie. But gosh, I, I, I think at the end, it goes back to what the kid said, Martin. It, it, you know, he says, I want to eat my French fries last. And she's mm. like, she's like, I'm putting ketchup all over this thing. I'm, and he's like, because it's the best. I'm doing, I'm doing what I like last. Uh, the be- And I, I'm like that where I eat usually every, I don't, I don't like eat things in order. But when I was a kid, I did. I don't know about you, but I think back to like TV. Remember TV dinners, like in the oven or microwave or yeah. whatever. Like they had their own little like sections, right? And uh, I knew that like my brothers and like they would all eat like the dessert first. And I was like, no, I'm always eating the dessert last because that's my favorite part, and I want the little crappy dessert last. And that was my way for a while. And now I, I'm more like I don't eat divided things. Like I, I'll just eat everything kind of as we go, like pretty equally. But the kid was like, my favorite thing, I'm eating last, the fries, and she's like. No, I want this now. Like, I want my favorite thing right now. I'm putting ketchup all over this thing and I'm taking it. So maybe it gives her more power where, where the kid had power in the beginning of the movie. And now she's got power at the end of the movie. I'm not saying there's a transfer of curses or anything like that. It, it's too broad for that. But I think it shows balance is brought back. Does that make sense? If I, I, if I didn't say so already, uh, definitely a plus. I love this. I, I love this movie. Oh, 100%. I, re- I really look forward to seeing more from from um, the director. He's great. I mean, you know, he's great. And he's one of those younger directors that's like, for me, that's so much more on the pulse of like what's good in culture versus that Midsummer guy that just wants to overdo everything for me. And I just, I like this better. Because I, I told you, you know, I, I sent you, you were like, so what do you think it's about? What do you think it's going? And I'm like... I'm I'm using like my own because you said oh this reminded me of you for some reason you know you told that to me and I'm like well, what part of my life is this <laughs> is he talking about so I was fascinated to find out and it's like it could have went in so many directions and I could really kind of attribute because that's one thing I do I emotionally connect to things and movies and make it my own and it's like almost any part of my life like could be filled in with these gaps he just does it so wonderfully uh, dog tooth is like that lobster is like that. Uh, the the favorite is like that the favorite is a little more historic it's not historically accurate necessarily but it's it's more of a plot but um yeah i he's on my radar he's definitely one to watch and uh, i'm looking forward to everything he does 
you know, the favorite too, even though it's you know, based on a true story in, in a sense, it still feels like a, like an alternate timeline of history. It, it feels 100%. like a different world. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I thought, I thought of you watching this with, um, and of course, but Ari Aster, because, you know, there are a lot of similarities between like hereditary in this movie and, you know, domestic horror movies, modern horror movies. And while I did like hereditary, I, I, this movie is a superior um, movie in, in every way. Good. Yes. We're on the same page. <laughs> We're on the same page with that. Then there's just so much, just artistry. And again, this is the start. We start getting sounding pretentious when we talk about directors and movies like this. But so what? That's the whole point of this. And this right. is art. This is this is total art. Loved it. Hundred percent. Double plus. Well, if we thought we'd love to hear what people thought about this movie, and um, how can they let us know? Oh, they can let us know at cinetologypodcast at gmail.com. It's cinetologypodcast at gmail.com. And on Instagram, at Instagram, uh, not at Instagram, at cinetology on Instagram. Those are the two ways, Franco. All right. Uh, that's the show. Do you have anything else to add before we go? Um, I Just a quick, um, uh, I rewatched, um, in order, the James Bond movies. I'm hoping at some point to watch the the new one whenever... <laughs> go back to movie theaters or whatever so we, we watched um uh, casino royale and i gotta say uh ah oh, what a what a great movie what a great bond he is and uh, I'm, I'm gonna miss him when he's gone it's long though they're all so long movies are so long yeah, yeah. that's the curse that's the curse we all live with right that's about that's the only extra thing i got look out for our bonus episode this friday as always until then thank you for listening Ben, take us home and uh, you know the um, let's say that the the sins of the father should not carry down to the sins of the son, <laughs> but but certainly the sins of that damn Martin for Christ's sake, <laughs> that kid really took it to an extreme. Uh, yeah, so uh, remember to always uh, don't be scared, just sin on. <laughs> <laughs>